So Money is brought to you by CNET, the site that shows how to navigate change all around us. So Money episode 1344, Ask Farnoosh. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Hey, you're listening to So Money with Farnoosh Tarabi. I'm Farnoosh. This is Ask Farnoosh, where I answer your questions that have come through all of the ways, Instagram, email, the website. How's everybody doing? April 15th, 2022. Our family is gearing up for a nice, relaxing spring break. I hope everybody is well. In case you missed the show this week, very proud of the episodes this week where we uh, went back in time a little bit and looked at how the pandemic impacted a couple of families. First, we spoke with Femme Frugality founder Bryn Conroy on Monday. Bryn, if you listen to the episode, uh, she talked about how in the beginning of the pandemic, uh, her entire career was upended. She is a single mom of two elementary age children. She wasn't able to run on her home-based financial literacy company, Femme Frugality, and care for her children full-time. And when COVID started, she had to be extra cautious because her family was more vulnerable to the illness. And as we all know, as parents, she was also managing her kids' online learning. There was no time to make money the way that she had been making money, and she was in complete lockdown. And fast forward to today... Things have gotten better, but they haven't turned around entirely. Bryn's story reflects a lot of what's happening with women and their careers, women who were working previous to the pandemic, who then suddenly in 2020 had to leave their careers, their jobs to take care of family. The National Women's Law Center says that while men have all regained their job losses in the since the pandemic... There are still over a million women who are not back in the job market, and that's compared to February of 2020. The unemployment rate is 3.6%, so it seems like everything is even better than normal, but it is not the whole story. And thank you so much to Bryn Conroy for coming on the show on Monday to talk about the difficulties and what she would like to see change now so that women and moms like her can regain their economic power. On Wednesday, we spoke with one couple, different scenario, a family who in the pandemic went from two working parents to just one and why it made sense for dad to stay home. Check out my conversation with Lee Bonvasudo on Wednesday. Now, Lee is also a communications coach and speaker. And we talked about not just her own family dynamics, but If you're listening and you have anxiety around public speaking, and I'm not talking like a TED Talk public speaking, but just talking to someone at work about something important or relaying your value, your worth at work, she has incredible advice. Stuff that I have sort of been doing unknowingly in my own life as I deal with some of the fear and anxiety around public speaking. Yes, it happens to all of us. She actually put the science behind it. I was doing these things almost like had to figure it out on my own over the years. And she's like, no, actually what you're doing has been scientifically proven to work. And I guess I just uh, have enough anxiety and fear. I, <laughs> I've tried enough tactics. I finally landed on the right one, but you'll have to listen to that episode to know what 
what I'm talking about and to hear more of Lee's incredible advice and her own personal story. So just a shout out to our fantastic guests from this week. Please, please check them out. At CNET, we've been following inflation very closely and we know that you have been searching for the hot topic of I-bonds. I made reference to this a little bit in a previous episode. I wrote about it for CNET. You know, people are looking for ways to make more than nothing percent on their savings as we now face higher prices on everything, gas, food, appliances, raw materials, cars. So we want to save. And then we're like getting punished when we save because you know, if you're making nothing on your return and inflation is eight and a half percent, then you're going to have less money in a year than what you started out with. Your money's just not going to buy as much as it could today. So I-bonds are back in style. On CNET Money, we've got an article coming out, a bigger article on this, as well as a video. But basically, a, a Series I savings bond is something you can buy from the Treasury website, treasurydirect.gov. It earns interest based on wherever inflation is. So the interest rate on an I-bond is a combination of a fixed rate that stays the same for the life of the bond, plus an inflation rate. And it's set twice a year. So right now, the I-bond interest rate is 7.12%, which is not yet as much as inflation, but it's pretty close. And it's far more than what you would get in a standard checking account, right? So people are looking at this as maybe an alternative or a supplement to their traditional savings strategy. I have said before, I don't recommend this for your emergency dollars because I-bonds are not as liquid as money in a traditional bank account. The first year, in fact, of an I-bonds life, you have to keep the money in the account. You can't take it out. And then after that, you risk losing some of the interest. The government wants to hold on to this money for at least five years. At the five-year mark, you can take your cash out and not pay a interest penalty, so to speak. But before that, if you do, you do relinquish the last three months worth of interest. And again, this is not a long-term savings vehicle. This is something that people take on in reaction to what's happening in the economy. If you want to really grow your money for the long-term, longer than five years, then the stock market is a good bet. And in a low fee index fund, a low fee ETF, that's what I would do. That's not investment advice, but that's what I would do. Nevertheless, I bonds, they're popular because inflation is through the roof and I bonds are offering some relief. So just wanted to bring that up as well. That's been on my radar. Let's get over to the mailbag and pick our reviewer of the week, shall we? This week, uh, we have a nice review from the Almost 40 Working Mom. It's a cool name. She says, Farnoosh is my personal professional coach. She just doesn't know it. Well, I know it now. She goes on to write, there are so many good financial podcasts out there. This is my new favorite. When I ran out of episodes on my other podcasts, I decided to try this one out. And boy, am I glad I did. I'm about to turn 40. And one of the things that I want to do is celebrate this with asking for a raise. I've been lowballing myself all my career, and I know I deserve a lot more money. Well, my friend, thank you so much for this review. And yes, when you are about to turn 40, I'm telling you, 
you, these are your prime years for earning between 35 and 45 and perhaps more even after that. I hope for all the money to come every day until you decide not to work. But statistically, I think women hit their peak earnings uh, in their late 30s. But I think, well, we're living longer. So I'm going to extend that to (laughs) our 40s. And I'm in my early 40s. And I feel like I'm just getting started in some ways. So thank you so much for stopping by the show. We're so happy to have you. And we hope that we continue to enlighten you for many days, weeks, years. Uh, I know you said you finished the episodes on your previous podcast that you were listening to. We've got over 1,300 here on So Money. So you have your work cut out for you here. But we hope you'll have fun. And by the way, let's connect. Thanks for your review. As a thank you, I'd like to send you a link to select a time for us to chat about whatever you want. Maybe we can talk about this raise that you want to go in and ask for. You can email me, farnoosh at somoneypodcast.com. You can also direct message me on Instagram. Let me know you left this review and I'll send you that link to book a time on my calendar. And just to keep it balanced, that we would talk about another review that was a one-star review recently of this show. And I'm just going to read it to you and then I'll, I'll give you my two cents about it. Uh, MD713 on Tuesday said, gave it a shot, but subtle advertising plugs, not cool. One star. Wanted to give this show a shot, but the very first episode I listened to, she was pushing reels, which is meta, over TikTok. Seriously, don't do that. You're setting false pretenses that you're giving out objective data facts regarding people's finances. Firstly, I do love Instagram Reels and I do like it over TikTok. Is that okay? Can we all agree that we can have opinions about the social media platforms that we prefer? Um, Nothing against anybody who chooses TikTok, but for me, I find Reels a little bit easier and more intuitive. And that's where my audience currently is on Instagram. So I'm just going to you know, entertain that audience. This also isn't financial advice. <laughs> so the second part of the review that said that I'm setting false pretenses, I'm giving out not objective facts regarding people's finances because I'm choosing to share an opinion about a social media platform. There's a disconnect there that I'm not really sure how that person came to that conclusion, but nevertheless, good luck to you. I hope you find a podcast that you do enjoy. But these one-star reviews are kind of a drag and I don't mind them if they give me actually good advice or feedback, but this one is it gives me nothing except maybe some laughs. Uh, but really, if you like this show and you want to let it be known and you want to support this show, a lot of people ask me, what's the best way to support your show. And I say the best way is to subscribe and leave a review about what you think of the show. And that contribution that, you know, that 10 minutes or five minutes it took to write the review uh, could mean that you inspire somebody else to subscribe and we get to keep this movement going. So I, I rarely do this, but if you are so inclined to leave a review and you haven't yet, please do because these one-star reviews, especially the ones here that are just baseless, I feel, um, can do actually some harm to the show and where we stand in the rankings. Um, and it, it shouldn't, we shouldn't give this person that much power, right? This person who doesn't like that I like reels, like what the heck is that? But I will end on this really cool quote that I got from Instagram reels, shameless plug. It said, remember the people booing are not on the field. They bought tickets to watch. I think I'm going to turn that into like a neon sign in my office. And can I give myself an early celebration here? This today, April 15th, was initially the uh, deadline for my book draft. 
It was supposed to be turned in today. And I'm pretty much done. My editor did give me an extra two weeks unsolicited by me. Uh, It was just that she was overwhelmed. And so it just didn't make sense for me to submit it too early. She wasn't going to get to it. So I thought, great. So I have an extra two weeks to dot the I's and cross the T's. But I want to just say it's been an incredible journey to chronicle my fears as a kid, as a young woman, and today to try to find the gifts in those fears, how they've actually led me to make healthy choices and life affirming decisions. And I can't wait to share this with you. Uh, It's going to be very different from my normal offerings to the world. But as I said, the book has uh, everything to do with money and nothing to do with money. If you've been listening to this show and you've been following my work, what you read in these pages, some things will surprise you, but probably a lot of it won't because it is truly a reflection of who I am and, and how I see the world and largely the things that I've been sharing with you on this podcast for now seven years. Anyway, just to say I'll be opening up some champagne tonight. Let's go to the mailbag and answer your money questions, okay? Uh, An anonymous writer, she wants to be anonymous. She said, hey, Farnoosh, quick question. My company recently got bought by a larger company. We are not a startup and I don't have stock options, so no big payout. Would that be a good time to ask for a raise? This news combined with increasing inflation have made me feel like I should ask for a raise and I haven't asked for one since June of last year. I know I'm one of the higher earning engineers at my work already, but I also feel slightly underpaid compared to the market. So there are different schools of thought on this, and I and I can kind of see where everybody's coming from in the from the different directions. I mean, there are some that might say, yes, now is a good time to ask because there's some transition happening. And if you're really valued at the company, this is like kind of a good time to make a case. And so during this time of transition, the company doesn't lose really good talent and is suddenly scrambling. I mean, you leaving might inspire others to leave if you don't get what you want to make, if they don't keep you happy. Um, And so in some ways, yes, but in other ways, it might be smart to wait until the dust settles and the companies have merged. And really, this is advice for you so that once the dust has settled, you can decide if you even want to stay. Because often what happens after a combination, a merger, an acquisition is a shift in culture. Sometimes um, sometimes there are new protocols, there are new management hires, and, and you might not be thrilled. And you might just from that alone, want to leave. It's not even about asking for a raise anymore. It's about wanting to go find a new place to work. So giving yourself even some time for a little bit of this to shake out. I know with inflation, you want that raise yesterday. And so again, this may be a situation where you'll know your company's culture best. I always say there's no harm in talking to your manager for advice. Hey, I know like right now we're going through some transition. I have for a while now been thinking about asking for a raise. Here are um, some of the great things I'm proud of that I've accomplished over the last six months, last year that I think uh, constitute a pay raise. Uh, I would like to present more formally, do you think that it's best to do this now or in two months? Get that person's advice in writing to preferably follow up that with that meeting with like a thank you and a recap of your conversation and then follow that advice and do it so that there's no surprises when you maybe ask in two months 
And it really does put the boss on the hook a little bit, on a good hook, right? To be accountable to you as well and to be very honest with you. I think we don't often enlist our managers enough in these conversations. We often just go to them with the ask as opposed to first saying like, here's what I would like. What's your recommendation for me? What's your advice? What's the best way to approach? Because your boss is often the person that has to advocate for you to somebody else for your raise. And if there's a new a new reign at the company, a new person that she or he, your boss has to kind of get to know and navigate those changes, you might want to just first have a huddle with your manager and say, hey, this is something that's important to me. I'd like to bring this up, but can we work together to figure out a plan, an action plan? And um, when would be the best time to go to the higher ups uh, for this? So if you trust your manager and you feel comfortable talking to your manager about this, I would do that as a next step. And again, if you are valued and you're senior, I would think that in this merger that they would want to retain their top talent. And if that means paying you more, especially given inflation, that's not a little thing. It's not an out of the blue question. Our next two questions are actually questions that I've gotten in my real life from friends. These are good for the show. Thanks, friends, for the content. First friend came up to me this week, in fact, and said, hey, question for you. Have you put your kids on your payroll? (laughs) I was like, my kids are seven and five. I don't quite understand the question. And her kids are like one, three, and seven. (laughs) So it's like, I'm not really sure child labor laws are... uh, would allow for that. But she said, yeah, my accountant for years have been has been asking me when I'm going to be ready to add my kids to my business payroll. And I looked into it. I was curious. And I, before telling her she needs to find a new accountant, I was curious about this myself, see if there was any merit to this. And the reality is, is that yes, at some point you can hire your kids and have them work, technically work in your business. Now, I don't really have a very admin heavy kind of business. So I'm not really sure what I put them to do. Maybe eventually my son could learn how to edit a podcast or put up a blog post or copy edit or something. But basically, as long as they're doing legitimate work for your business, you can hire your kids and pay them, each of them, a little over $12,000 a year tax-free. This is facts. <laughs> so interesting. I I think they have to be at least, well, let's see, I think seven years old. Yes, seven to 22. So my kids, just my one kid, my son, would just qualify for this maybe this year. Uh, But again, I'm not really sure what I could give him to do. You know, I do have a book coming out next spring. So maybe you can stuff some envelopes and put some books in those envelopes and and mail those out. But it is a nice way to lower your business's taxable income. And also because your kids are technically now employees of your business, you can also combine this with IRA and 401k strategies to really maximize the benefit. Um, So you could actually put $6,000 into an IRA for them because now they're technically earning income. So that $12,000 salary, half of that could go into an IRA and suddenly your kids who are seven are getting a real leg up uh, for their retirement planning. Now, I'm not a tax expert. I'm not a CPA. So I'm just putting this out there for you to then go and ask a professional more about how you might be able to take advantage of this because that's what I'm going to do. Next thing I'm going to do is email my CPA and say, hey, what can we do here? And one, it would be great for my kids, I think, to feel like they're 
contributing right to mom's business. And it's a way for us to have that experience and learn behind the scenes of what mom does. Cause I'm not really sure if they know what I do really. Uh, but also for a way to save for them today and in the future and bonus get to save some on taxes. So I like this idea and just wanted to put that out there. I love how my friends educate me on things that I don't even know about. I'm a little annoyed that my accountant didn't bring this up (laughs) on her own, but maybe she just didn't know how old my kids are. Another friend asked me this week, how do I get started saving for retirement? And I have to say, I was a little taken aback by this because this friend is around my age and this person who's been gainfully employed and has money, has savings, but hasn't been investing any of their money. And so I said to my friend, at the minimum, you want to take advantage of your 401k at work and the company match. And given that you are in your 40s, I would encourage you to go well above and beyond that kind of contribution that you're putting like 15% uh, of your salary towards an investment vehicle like a 401k. And if you max out of that 401k and you can do more, open up a Roth IRA or traditional IRA and uh, really like do it yesterday. And I didn't want to scare him, but I was like, buddy, you got to get on this. You have the money. It's not like he doesn't have the money. He's just, he says, you know, over the years I have been working and making money, but I haven't changed how I spend. I still spend as though I may be in my twenties and I'm not very, extravagant with my spending. I don't really have assets. I just live very frugally. And that has allowed him to save a lot of money. I said, do you have more than six months liquid in a savings account? He goes, a lot more than that. So I said, all right, whatever you have beyond six months that you know, like in six months, if you need money for six months, you've got it. The rest, you got to invest that, right? Start a 401k. It. I said, it takes a lunchtime. It takes a lunch afternoon. He uh, just joined a company. And so now he's finally eligible to invest in their company 401k. And you know the match is, it exists, which is saying a lot. A lot of companies don't even offer that match. It is free money. So uh, not great to hear that from my friend, but I'm glad that he felt he could open up to me. And I was like, please like keep me posted if you want me to walk through your you know, lunch hour with you on a Zoom to go through your 401k portal. I'm happy to do that, but uh, not to shame. I'm really impressed that he even has a lot saved. He just uh, never got around to it, which I think is pretty normal. All right. Last question is a retirement question from Tisha. Her question is this. My company recently started offering 401ks with no match and I'm 28. I just opened a Roth IRA this year to start putting away money for retirement. I know I'm a little late to this, uh, but I comfortably save about 10 to 15% of my paycheck each month towards this account. And I'm aiming to increase it as I streamline my life at this new job. Do you recommend that I split my savings between the two accounts or put all of my funds in one or the other? I want to be as generous to my future self as possible. All right. So Tisha, I have always talked on this show about the importance of, if you can, diversifying your retirement savings. 
specifically with regards to tax diversification. So a Roth IRA and a traditional 401k are both fantastic vehicles for saving for your future in your retirement. But of course, they have different tax benefits. A Roth IRA allows you to put money in today uh, and essentially take it out at retirement and not pay a single tax on it, uh, which is great because we don't know what our, ta- what our tax situation is going to be in retirement. You essentially pay the taxes today in what may be a lower tax bracket. Then a 401k does the opposite, right? It allows you to contribute and reduce your taxable income today with that contribution every year. So I think if you want to go splitsies and do the 401k and the Roth, uh, you know, the Roth has a $6,000 limit. So I'm not sure how much money we're talking about here. I know percentage-wise, it's 10 to 15% of your paycheck. But if you can do something where you're you're fully maxing out this Roth IRA, because remember, the Roth IRA, you will eventually, assuming you continue to make more money throughout your career, eventually you might phase out of this and no longer be eligible. So to take advantage of this when you can, as much as you can, is my recommendation. So $6,000 in that Roth IRA and then contributing to your workplace 401k so that you can save on taxes today too. And in a 401k at work, it's so simple, right? To invest, you just do it immediately out of every single paycheck. There's no match at your company from what I'm hearing. So that's why I'm not saying start with the 401k at work and get the match. I would say in that case, yes, fully invest until you can get that match from the 401k from work and then everything else in the Roth IRA. And if there's still money left over after you've done that, put money back in the 401k. But since we don't have that, since we have a 401k but no match, and we have a Roth IRA that you can still fully contribute to, I would say prioritize the Roth IRA. And then secondly, with whatever you've left, do the 401k. If the company does introduce a match later on, we would change the strategy. But that to me feels like a good balance. And that's our show for this week, everybody. Next week, we will be doing the best of 2022 for Monday, Wednesday, and Friday as I am on spring break. And I think we could all use a little bit of a pause, although don't stop listening to this show. We are a prolific podcast. So there's a chance that you may not have listened to the shows that I'm going to re-air next week. So I encourage you to stick around here. And remember, if you love the show, hit that subscribe button, share it with a friend, and please leave a review. If for no other reason, we might get the chance to talk to one another because I pick a reviewer every single week. Thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. And I hope your weekend is so money. 